loungers. Welcome back to another episode of the City Lounge. You're with your host, DJ Mary V. And if it's your first time, please remember to like, subscribe, share, and comment. And if you're back, what it do, loungers, what it do. So today's uh, episode is going to be amazing. I have a special guest, Curtis Vermont. He's going to come talk to us uh, the importance of, you know, voting, um, us being the change. So stay tuned because you don't want to miss it. Hey, loungers. Welcome, welcome. I am here with my special guest that I was telling you guys about today, Mr. Curtis Vermont. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? Uh, how are you, Kurt? I'm doing well. Doing I am well. so excited for this conversation because I feel like it is so necessary. I feel like you're going to drop so many uh, gems and I feel like you're going to educate us. I feel like I'm in school. Well, don't set me up for failure, but I I'll, will I'll, I'll not. do my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> That's how confident I am in you. That's how <laughs> confident I am in you. So I want you to introduce yourself and uh, the many hats that you wear. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so, you know, as a bit of background, um, my career is actually in business development mm -hmm. um, over the course of seven years between like 2013 six, seven years, between 2013 and just over 2019, or 2012, 2019, um, I generated $6 million in revenue for the companies I worked for. So we're talking about um, fields across telecom, ad tech, um, the digital space, um, um, and uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm actually losing track of my wording here, but, uh, and, and premium publishing as well, yeah. right? Um, but all throughout that time, um, and even before then, quite frankly, I, I always had an interest, a, a deep love for policy and politics because yeah. I learned at a very early age from my father and other sources, right? Barack Obama was a great in, uh, inspiration as well, that, you know, if you want to make change and, you know, we coming from the hood, we, we acknowledge how much we have not received in terms of support. And so, you know, that was a part of my upbringing. So it's like, listen, if we want to get more resources, we have to advocate for change. And if we have to advocate for change, we have to understand how the system works, right? So that was my, my, my kind of introduction to policy and politics. I was really lucky in high school that in my last year, they started a politics course. It was like brand new. They wanted to try a pilot program, right? And the rest was history. I went to York for, for, for poli-sci as well, right? Um, fast forward to the future now, I kind of, Apart from doing business though, mm -hmm. I always wanted to make sure that I was doing something for my community and that work, the actual work started in 2018. Okay, so take us on that journey um, of how you got into that because I know you said you went to school, shout out to Cedar Bray. Cedar Bray That, that was the yeah, high school yeah. that you went to. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Cedar Bray, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I remember after Pope, that's where I used to go to go see my friends. Yeah, BK was there. a spot, fam. Yes! That, that was, your business deals <laughs> yeah. happened there, fam. Are you kidding me? That was that was the networking spot. Markham and Lawrence. Hundo, hundo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So take us on the journey of, you know, you did go to Cedar Bray, you yeah. did go to York, and yeah. then how you got into the field yeah, um, yeah. of um, that politician field. Yeah, yeah. So, you know... Um, it was actually 2017. I said 2018. I was I was mis misspeaking there. Mm -hmm. 2017. Um, you know, I knew that there was a provincial election coming up, where the governing party at the time, the Liberal Party, um, you know, they would have a hard time. So if there's any time to get involved with policies and a party you most believe in, yes. and I say most. For specifically, I'll get back to that in a second. Yeah. Um, that's when you show your medal. That's when you show your worth. Because you're not there to freeload. You're not there to say, oh, we're winning and 
I'm taking the credit for it. No, <laughs> it, you're going to put the work in, yes, right? Yes. Um, so I actually went to a meeting at UTSC, funny enough. There was Mitzi Hunter there, who was the cabinet minister for education, I think, at the time. Um, there was other a few people who actually became my friends. Mm -hmm. um, basically, the meeting was, you know, to, to, to connect with people in the community and, and see how we can work with them to, to win the election, essentially, right? Yes, yes. To mobilize people. Um, so I went to one of the organizers, I said, who had asked if there's anybody who can offer their, you know, their professional assistance on a campaign. Like, let us know. I'm like, yo, that's you. That's me. So at the time, you know, my business development background, it really isn't a lot of tech stuff, digital mm -hmm. stuff, social media, and communications, excuse me. That's okay. I'm forgetting, <laughs> I'm, we're not on a podcast, we're recording <laughs> live. But uh, <laughs> I'm used to doing the podcast. Thing. I know, we're gonna slip that in just now. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, yeah, the rest was kind of history. It's like, look, I can help from a social media standpoint, from, from a digital digital standpoint, from a communication standpoint. Mm -hmm. Let me connect you to the right person. They connected me to um, this young guy who was kind of responsible for the region at mm -hmm. the time. And it was like, look, we have to have people on this provincial liberal association, this, this board. We have to have young people on this board who can steer it in the right direction and who can help bring forth a successful campaign. Would you like to be part of that? Absolutely. So first it started with me being elected onto the board mm -hmm. as a director, right? Um, and then in a few months time after showing my capabilities, particularly with digital work, um, I was brought on or I was, what's the word elected? Appointed, I mm -hmm. was appointed as head of communications. So I ran everything for the campaign. Any, anything that you saw from the, the, the candidate Chin Lee, mm -hmm. I was the one who put that out on his behalf, right? Um, unfortunately, we lost that election. The entire party did very poorly, right? Mm -hmm. It was just not a good time for us for multiple reasons. Um, but the work didn't stop there, right? I'm still on that same board. So by the way, the Scarborough North Provincial Liberal Association, it's, I, I had earlier said that we're in it. Mm -hmm. Literally, Shepherd, mm -hmm. that's it, and above. What? So we're not quite in it, Shepherd and above. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, wait, so all of this is- Actually, no, I lied, no, it's the highway. So I was just gonna it. say, all of this is like, that's how close we are to where you guys run the head. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, we're actually out of the, the, the uh, Chinese Cultural Center. See, I, I didn't know. I don't. I don't think you guys knew that either. <laughs> so we're, on the same, we're on the same board, and I want you to tell us about the experience of you being on that campaign, kind of getting thrown into it and yeah. helping them. That how were you able to? Um, you were telling me about the uh, uh, the other organizations and the other associations that you're involved with uh, that we could reach out to when we need change. So tell us about that. Sure, sure. So um, in terms of you know the fact. So you, so you kind of asked two different questions there. Which one do you want to Okay, so tell us about the different organizations and the associations that you're a part of. Okay. And, and, and how you got involved into that. So there's a number of different organizations and, and the reason why it's important to know about them is because a lot of people, not just black people, mm -hmm. right, will, will say we don't have the time to care about what our governments are doing. We don't have the time. And it's true, we, like, we're taking care of kids, mm -hmm. we're, we're busting our ass at work, right? And, and, and the time that we do have, we wanna relax and spend it with our loved ones, right? I understand yes. that completely. Um, and so what I would say in response to folks who say, well, what can we do, even if we don't have the capacity, we don't have the time? 
there are a multitude of organizations that are out there mm -hmm. that are doing the work already and all they really need is for you to take part in the in the process and right? how do we do that so for example i have an organization I just incorporated it, so the work is actually just beginning. Yes. But it's called the Afro Caribbean, uh, the Afro Canadian Political Literacy, uh, Literacy Foundation, or ACPL for short. Right. Mm -hmm. Part of our focus is going to be on policy and advocacy that affects the Black community, particularly millennials. Right. Yes. So. Um, we haven't touched on it yet, but housing, I'm sure we're going to get to that. Yes. That's a major issue within not only our community, but millennials across the board, right? Yes. Housing is just far too expensive. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of how an organization with their expertise can advocate on an issue, mm -hmm. right? Through, for example, um, hiring people to do research, using that research to write reports, bringing that report to government, using that report to advocate for a policy shift from government, right? Mm -hmm. And then what what is crucial to have in terms of people supporting, for example, the ACPL or Lead Now, which is another one, or SETSI, which is another one, Yes, is these organizations can then turn back and say, look, these are my people behind me. This is what we need, fam. Mm -hmm. We're we're a thousand, ten thousand strong. So this is a large constituent, which is an actual word in government. We are a large group that you have to pay attention to. Yes. Right. So it's really important to essentially work in numbers to accomplish policy changes. So that's why you want to know about the SETSIs. Again, that's the social economy through social inclusion. They're mm -hmm. based out in the West. Um, my good friend, uh, Victor Bosole is the executive director of that organization. He's actually out in Ghana right now. Um, you know, there's organizations like Acres. Again, we're going to talk about uh, real estate later on, but that's the Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Canadian Real Estate Society, okay. right? Uh, we got, um, um, ACBL, mm -hmm. Afro-Canadian, ACBA, Af Afro-Canadian Business Association. I mean, there are a plethora of I organizations say, there's just so within much our community, community that we didn't even know. So we definitely have to leave the links down below. And you were saying that, you know, if we come together and we show them like, hey, you got to pay attention to us, what can we do? Law-abiding citizens like myself, mm -hmm, how can mm -hmm. how can we support you guys in that? What do we do? Do we do we give you guys like, hey, this is what needs to be changed? How do we show up for each other? Can right. you let us know how we can support you guys? In and that? that's it's a very good question. I mean, the biggest thing is that when we put the call out for support, you come to support. So, for example, yeah. if we're putting on events or some sort of a, 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 a showcase where we are discussing our issues to bring about, excuse me, to bring about change, yeah. right? Be there. Yeah. Because the numbers matter, right? Okay. Uh, I can bring a very good example of that. So, again, I told you about Victor Bosole and his work through Setsi. Mm -hmm. um, he actually didn't do this through Setsi. But anyway, Victor was responsible for, if you remember how carding was a thing in Ontario. Yes. It kind of still is. But uh, carding has been curtailed significantly because of... Um, the process to curtail it mm -hmm. and the process to curtail it included Victor's group organizing um, basically these sessions all across Ontario. So not just here in Toronto, not just here in Scarborough like they did at Tropicana, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I was there, but uh, we're talking about Thunder Bay, right? And Sudbury where there's also a, a strong contingent of black people, right? Yeah. Um, and the whole point was to have an open forum to share how black people have been impacted negatively by carding. 
And all of that was contributory to getting carding changed. Yes. You feel I get me? What you're so、saying. that's an example. So、right? we basically have to come out of our houses, show up, like, yeah, be there. Because I think, do you, do you guys have to like sign something or people actually get the platform? Sometimes there are petitions. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, yes. And, and to be clear, you don't always have to show up for petitions. Sometimes there are many petitions that are done online. Yes. Right? Yes. That's a big thing too. So don't, you know, there, there, there are two different things there. But Whether it's online, digital, or physical, you gotta show up, support your organizations that are supporting you.、Yeah. Right?、Um, there are many organizations that have membership, right?、Mm-hmm. So you pay a monthly due, maybe five bucks, ten bucks, probably nothing more than 20 bucks. That supports the work, right?、Mm-hmm. So if you had that kind of money, not everybody does,、mm-hmm. but if you got that kind of money, Do、support、that. because、yeah. again they are supporting you, right? Yes, yes.、Um, so that's that's my perspective on that. Okay, well I like that, and I and I really hope that people take away from that the many different organizations that Kurt just mentioned because we need to support our own so that they can be advocating for us so that we can have these executions so that they just take us seriously.、Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying?、Mm-hmm. We can talk about oh we want change, but like we have to do our part、um, amongst ourselves. We have to be as organized.、Well. Yeah, you know, doing our part. It's it. The main thing is being organized,、mm-hmm. right? And being organized is having organizations that are working on your behalf have, and working、yeah. in unison, right? So let us know a little bit about laws and、um, legislation because you did let us know your role、um, and what you do and what you're doing and how you're advocating for us. Let us know a little bit about the laws and legislation and how that plays a part because I know you were telling me, like, In order for things to, to happen, there's laws and legislation, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, tell us a little、yeah. bit about background about that before we get into the housing and everything. Yeah, so I, I, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm the president for the Scarborough North Liberal Association.、Um, also, I'm the、um, I'm on the board for the、uh, or the committee, I should say. For policy and advocacy for the Scarborough Business Association,、mm-hmm. right? So those are two examples of where policy actually happens,、mm-hmm. and people don't think about it, and that's fine because they 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 wouldn't know unless、mm-hmm. they've actually taken it upon them to study that or, etc. Right? Yeah, yeah. So those two examples. That's where, as a group, for example, we can say, well, we think that there should be. A policy that supports people, no matter if they're working or not, it gives them、uh, set amount of money every single month, so that again, if they're not working, cool, they ain't got to worry. Just like how a lot of people through this pandemic have been on CERB or CRB, right?、Mm-hmm. If they can't work, they can be home. They can figure their life out until that that that、um, program runs its course, yes, right? Yes. So, what if there could be a program like that that was in place all the time?、Mm. There, there are programs like that. They're in place in different places in the world, called universal basic income. Well, what we can do in a committee like the Scarborough North Provincial Liberal Association, which we already have, or the SBA, which we wouldn't happen there. But let's say S, let's say the PLA,、mm-hmm. right? We would write legislation to reflect what we're trying to implement, and、okay. that's an entire process of its own. But that's where it happens. You don't really like if you weren't a part of this board, you'd have to send the legislation to the board, and the board would send it off. Okay. So this is where the meat happens. Okay. Right. So you create the legislation. You're already a part of a party, and usually a party is what is going to govern the province after an election. Right. Okay. After they win an election. So you're a part of a party. You create the legislation. You send it off to the party, and the party considers it. And what happens every year or every few years is what's called a annual general meeting,、mm-hmm. right? A policy convention. Yeah. And that's when the policy is adopted. And if it's adopted, 
and that party becomes government, then the policy is adopted across the board. Okay. And now, for example, we can have UBI, which is what I was just talking about. An example of policy and how it affects many in our community. Just one example, the fact that cannabis is now legalized. Mm -hmm. So somebody in the Liberal Party before 2015, I think it was actually 2012, probably over a series of years, said, you know what? Fuck this, we should be legalized. Yes, legalize it. <laughs> okay, but how you do that? Well, we gotta write legislation to support the fact that, well, this is why we think it should be legalized, and this is what, here are the reasons to support benefits, it. Yeah. Here are the benefits. Yes, here are the drawbacks, but we can we can figure that out. This is what legislation is all about. Like I just mentioned, it goes to the party now. The party considers it. Okay, yeah, we think this is cool. They form government, weed is legalized. So that's how important policy is. Mm -hmm. And that's why you want to be a part of the process so that, for example, with weed being legalized, a, an, an initial problem, and it still is a problem, is that a lot of pardons weren't, or quite frankly, weed was legalized, there were lots of people locked up for weed. For weed, yes. Right? So now that process is kind of being fixed. Okay. But it's, it's taken way too damn long. Yeah. Right? And is. that speaks to the fact that many of us, we were not at the table. We were not at the table as we should have been. For that part of legalizing weed. I mean, for, for all of it. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make here is that any part of legislation that impacts us, mm -hmm. we need to be a part of it so that it speaks to our needs as well. Yeah. Right? Which goes back to supporting organizations that are getting involved with, you know, developing legislation or, or, or motions and, and things of that nature, right? So that's what it's all about. Well, I love that you were able to break that down and I really hope that people are taking away from this because I feel like, you know, you giving us the blueprint of how we can get our voices heard and our concerns out there, mm -hmm. it's, this is free game, right? I mean, you're it is. Us, you're letting us know how we can be a part of it. So I really appreciate that. And then I wanted to jump into funding for the black community and a little bit about West Hall. Can I say one thing? Sure. On the concept of supporting other organizations, mm -hmm. I started the ACPL because I saw a gap. Mm -hmm. I literally just incorporated it the other day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost a lot of money to incorporate a non-for-profit, mm -hmm. and you can make your non-for-profit your non about whatever you want it to be. You can make your corporation about whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. The point I'm making is if you see that there's a gap, if you see that something needs to be fixed, and maybe somebody else isn't doing something about it or not as well as you think they could be, you can do something about it too. Because remember we were both talking and we're like, the change starts with us. The change starts with us. Right? You so can't you depend on other people. You cannot, you cannot. So you seen something, you seen there was a gap, 100%. and you started your own organization. 100%. Right? So this, guys, free game, okay? <laughs> if you need to, if there's anything that you wanna change or anything that you have concerns about or any questions, this is who you need to reach out to because you have all the information and you're gonna lead us to finally making that change. I, I really feel like we don't believe that we can do that mm. because we never had somebody that looks like us to say, hey, you can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it's not just about us as, you know, black people, but I think it's like you said, it's millennials, millennials us across the board, sure. everybody watching this. Um, 
it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter your culture, mm -hmm. you can make change wherever you see that gap. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I wanted to touch on to a little bit about West Hall and, and the funding in, in the black community. I don't know which one you want to do first. It's up to you. Um, you know, I guess we can start with West Hall. Yeah, yeah, let's start about West Hall because you did say that he's very significant and I wanted you to let us know because some people don't know about him. So we need to know uh, a little bit about West Hall and yeah, so uh, West Hall, the reason why he's significant is because, and this is particularly for those from Jamaica, but maybe broadly from the Caribbean, yes, right? Yes. Um, West Hall is probably one of the richest Canadian Jamaicans living here in Toronto. And it's not the fact that he's rich, it's a question of how he got there yeah. and his story, yeah. right? And what he does now, right? To, to, point the, to, play, to paint the picture that anything is possible. Yes, even here. Uh, West Hall was born in, man, was it Trelawney, Jamaica? I forget exactly where it was, but he was, he was raised by his grandmother with nine other siblings, right, mm -hmm. in a shack, mm -hmm. right? He eventually made his way to Canada uh, to live with his father and his stepmother and that family. Mm -hmm. um, he went to school to, uh, I think it was to be a law clerk i believe um but through his work he decided you know what i want to work in proxies mm -hmm. right so that's essentially all the paperwork with with corporations mm -hmm. he wanted to work in that field right he was so good at this work that he ended up at a company as vp of business development mm -hmm. and i should actually back up because before he even got there this is a guy who was you know working in the mail room and on Bay Street, working security. Um, he was, you know, he was hustling, man. He was going at it. And even, he, he tells a story, he'd be in the mailroom and he'd be suited up. And people would say, yo, why are you suited up? Mm. And essentially he'd be like, yo, it's about where I'm going, right? Mm. He didn't really speak like that at the time, but that's essentially what his mindset was. Yeah. He wanted to be seen for where he wanted to be. I love and that. that's actually what happened, right? He ended up, you know, he made networking. So as a mail boy, he'd be going around, giving the mail to folks, networking as he's doing Maybe that. Over time now, you are you can make some conversation, maybe you're asking an opinion on something, and he took that opportunity and boom, right? Yeah. So he used that, now he's VP of business development for this firm. He realizes that this firm, things are going well, but the lifestyle ain't it for him. Mm. It's not it for him. He, he He's, you know, if you're in business development, you know, you gotta be out all times at night, you're hosting your clients, right? You're always traveling or, you know, at least 40% of the year. Um, it's it's hectic. You you can't. There's not a lot of stability. Mm. It's great for a young guy or a young young woman too, right? Mm -hmm. Great for a young person. You want stability? Nah. And he's a family man. That's a yeah. big thing about him. So he said, you know what? I'm going to start my own firm. Started his business plan. It was an immaculate business plan, mm -hmm. and you know that based on the fact that he is a multi-billionaire. Right? Yeah. Um, the banks would not give him a loan. Mm. They would not, he went to his own bank, he went to that bank, he, so his own bank, I believe he says is CIBC, he went to RBC as well, he went to T, he went, he went everywhere, couldn't get it. Down on his luck, he went back to his own bank, he went to, I believe, um, a black mortgage, age, mortgage agent within CIBC, and he's like, yo, fam, help, <laughs> help me. Dude's like, okay, I think what we can do mm -hmm. is, you know, put your house up for collateral, use that as your business, yeah. as your funding for your business. And the rest is history. This is now the man who, so here's an example of how I can say he made his money. 
He is responsible for the biggest mergers and acquisitions in North America. His company is literally number four. They're called Kingsdale Advisors. Mm -hmm. Number four in North America, number one in Canada. In terms of the, the examples of mergers and acquisitions that he's responsible for, Burger King and Tim Hortons. Wow, I didn't even know that. Right? And there's plenty of other major examples too, but that's, a, that's, that's in everybody's head, yeah, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, a, this is this, I mean, listen, I, I had the opportunity to interview him on my podcast, The Drip, um, I think it was maybe last month, two months ago. And I, I've known him for a few years. He, he's a really solid and, and good person. Mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's solid. Um, and what I'm getting at is this is a person who exudes confidence and who is willing to go to bat, bat for the black community as he has been doing. But he's also, he's so personable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's very important in a person. So we bring up West Hall because he's an example of someone who you can emulate, mm -hmm. possibly, yeah. right? But it's really important to know a people in our community who maybe have got, you know, been where we've been. Yeah. I and know. they can they can they can they can help us on our path as well. Yep, I I agree with that 100%, you know, and that's why we have platforms like The Drip and mm. City Lounge because you want to show people it's not how you started. It's no. it's, it's just like Never. you want people to show where you, it's where you're going, it's mm -hmm. where you're headed, mm -hmm. the, the the things that you've been through and I love his story because that's a lot of us. You it's get a what lot. it's a lot Absolutely. of us, you know what I mean? Um And it, listen, and, I'll say like people can look at his documentary on YouTube. Mm -hmm. His story is, I mean, he's got dead brothers. Like he, he has a story. So if someone like him can make it, many so of can us can we. do it as well. And I think it's so important that we know people on a different level. For sure. On a human level. On a human level. On a it's human very, Especially level. powerful people. Yes. You have to, because you have to be, these are people that are inspiring you. And I mm -hmm. feel like the way you can inspire people is through being relatable. Mm -hmm. It's being transparent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I would definitely be looking at his uh, documentaries because I love a documentary. Yeah. I really do. And you did talk about your podcast. So let us know a bit about The Drip and what it is that you advocate for. Yes, yes. So um, thank you for bringing up The yeah. Drip. The Drip is basically the voice of the ACPL. Yes. Um, we've been on the air now for just over a year. We actually started um, being focused on the pandemic. Yeah. So what we wanted to do is inform people about news about the pandemic so they can make important decisions yeah. uh, by using actual news sources, mm -hmm. right? Um, while also informing them about policy and economics and things of that nature because that's our background and we know lots of folks who want to hear that kind of exactly. content. Exactly. We pivoted as of May because of George Floyd's murder yeah. as well as the murder of, of, of Regis Korczynski Paquette and plenty of others and we said, yo, enough is enough and we got to speak from our perspective yeah. unequivocally. Yeah, unapologetically. Uh, and unapologetically. Yeah, unapologetically. man. For sure. Um, and so we started doing that um, and, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history in that, you know, we're right now hovering around like 1,500, the 1,000 to 1,500 listeners per month. Sometimes it fluctuates. That's but, good. But in March, uh, BuzzFeed, which many people know is a major publication, yes. right? They, they, uh, they put out a, a, a ranking essentially of audiobooks and podcasts and 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 um, things of that nature that all black Canadians should hear so they had a ranking of 21 
and they ranked us number four on that That's list. Dope. And just to put into perspective, you know, you know, Desmond Cole, he's he's kind of a, an issue right now in the community, but in terms of his reach, mm -hmm. he was number one. Okay. And we were number four. I love that you guys are number four, and I love that they had that ranking. Mm -hmm. And I would agree that your podcast is definitely something to listen to because even in our pre-interview, y'all don't even know, but Kurt <laughs> freaking schooled me on so many things. And I'm just thinking like, yo, I think sometimes we don't want it. I'm one of those people, I'm an empath. So when I listen yeah. to the news, I will take on the stories and everything. It's but it, it's good to listen to people like, you're my friend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just like listening to your podcast. Oh, this is my friend schooling me, teaching me. You know what I mean? But so you can actually speak to the fact that, you know, because listening to the news it, it can be very heavy and you know what we speak about heavy stories on the podcast yeah. don't get me wrong right but the way that we deliver is what makes people keep coming back yes. quite frankly. and it's why we have such a strong millennial audience because we're speaking in our voice exactly in our terms in our terms because when i when you when i was listening to one of your episodes you're like oh yeah so like how do you feel about that and then yeah. she said how she felt you want to sh shout out your co-host patience Adamu. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when i was listening to it you were like yeah like how do you feel about that and she gave her opinion yeah. and then she's like yeah you know that's crazy like and i'm like oh shoot that's something i was saying to my girlfriend yeah, like, you're like yo <laughs> We say, yo, very, yo, that's nuts. Exactly. Are it's relatable. Not? It's relatable. And I think that's why it's important to have platforms the way that we have. Because not all the time, honestly, I would, I would take news from you over there. Because they'd be using big words. I'm sorry, guys. but <laughs> You know, you were able to send me, you know, you were able to send me some, some, um, some articles, articles yeah. and I was able to to read it and then you were able to explain it to me yeah. and, I, and I really appreciated about appreciate you for that mm -hmm. and before we go I want to touch on the articles sure let's touch on that shortly you know a little time that we have mm -hmm. because it is a big thing mm -hmm. the housing the housing market housing is, is, and, mad, I, is and I know we, we said we're gonna touch on that it's mad expensive out there fam so so break it down as to why this is going on um, and 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 the difference because we we, we seen um, the difference between last year with the pandemic yeah. starting and now so take us on that that journey there yeah i mean so to start i mean you you, you saw for yourself right yeah. was it 47.1 percent or whatever almost 50 percent since the beginning of the pandemic till now is how much more expensive housing has increased yes it's gone 50 percent more or almost 50 percent more expensive from the beginning of the pandemic of the pandemic till now till now now Crazy. the reason for that there's a lot of reasons and you know it's important to not rush the understanding of that right mm -hmm. but i'll try my best to, to to be quick so essentially when the pandemic initially hit mm -hmm. prices actually dropped okay and so there were a lot of people if the question is why are things so expensive now Prices actually drop. So a lot of people who already own property, maybe mom and dad already helped them buy a small condo and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, um, so essentially they had, okay, I'm, I'm being unclear. People particularly downtown okay. who had condos, right? Because of the pandemic, now they're saying, yo, I, I, can't, I can't be in this box. Mm. And because they actually own this condo, they have equity in this condo, they can take that and they can buy something else out in Whitby or Mark, maybe not Markham, that's expensive, but somewhere else, Oshawa. right? Somewhere, Oshawa, yes. et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's what a lot of people did. So that was a big part of it. Okay. Another big part of it though, and this was a policy, um, a, 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 this was an effective policy, mm -hmm. was, governments all around the world because right now it's not just canada 
Canada is actually the third hottest market right now. There's New Zealand, then Sweden, then Canada in terms of, and then there's also the UK that's fourth and then the US that's fifth. So markets all across the world. Everybody's mad expensive because all of our central governments decided, yo, we have to do something to keep the economy going. And the best way to keep the economy going is to keep people buying houses. Because when people buy houses, it affects so much more across the board. Yeah. You see what I mean? So with the economy tanked because of COVID, they had to now inject a lot of activity into the market, yes. make it easier. So they brought down rates, for example, mm. make it easier now for people to afford a mortgage. So now people who couldn't necessarily afford before, now they can take on more debt. So now they're going to go buy more property, just like I mentioned before. Yes. And so the process repeats and repeats itself. Yes. That's normal. But what's a little abnormal as well is that in this process, and remember you, you read about this in one of the articles, yeah, yeah. right? Within this process, there are what's called blind, there's what's called blind bidding. Yes. Right? And so let's say that, that was a property, the part that was like, let's say that a property is $500,000, yeah. right? And there's five bidders for this property. If the first person bids 515, right now the system, it doesn't, there's no transparency on what that person bid. You can be told as the second bidder, yo, that person bid like 600,000, or quite frankly, this is what happens. You're thinking, yo, the market's going crazy. I gotta just scoop up what I can. Right so I'm gonna give as, as high, high as a, you can. Right? So because there's no kind of threshold to block that, instead of giving like 515 over 500, now people are giving like 575 over 500. And again, there are people who have this money. There's a lot of people investing from overseas yes let's okay. be clear about that there was a report that just came out that said it's about 20 percent that, that's a that's huge so overseas 20 percent 20 percent are investors okay and i'm sure the majority of them are overseas investors okay. so let's be clear about that yeah but we have a system where there's now a whole bunch of people that have access to more money and now they can buy more property and that shoots the price up and they're blind bidding and they're bidding ridiculous amounts of money so until that is stopped, as just one example, we're screwed. We're just gonna keep, now, here's the thing that I should also mention. Because you're saying with millennials, are we screwed? Millennials are gonna have to be creative. Mm. I have to be creative, mm. right? I, I didn't buy by myself, there was family involved, right? Yes. So we, yeah. we all gotta be creative and there's groups, I mentioned Acres already, the Afro-Caribbean Real Estate Association, they're, they're here to help with being creative as well. Love that. But, um, Sorry, what was your question? No, I was saying um, we were just talking about the housing and then I kind of jumped in and said millennials, but I, I, you, were, you were saying something about um, if everything is so expensive right now with the investors, the 20%, and then you kind of... <laughs> <laughs> um, essentially, what I laid out were the reasons for why things are so expensive. Yes. What I was getting at was... Yes. Um, we were in this very same process mm -hmm. after the last recession, right? Okay. The recession that happened after 2008. Okay. So we were in this very same place around 2014. Okay. And the Bank of Canada did the same thing, okay. right? And prices fell after that. So it's still possible that millennials aren't entirely screwed. Things could revert back and there are policy options to get it that way. So again, that's why it's important to support your local organizations that are doing the work, right? Ooh, I like how you swindled that in there. Yeah, that plug-in. Yeah, I love that plug-in. So guys, uh, there's still hope for us to get houses after all, okay? So reach out, 
Can you put in uh, your your uh, organization one more time? Plug it in, plug it in. Let people know about your podcast. Um, thank you so much for enlightening us and giving us all that background stuff to everything that's going on, letting us know that where we can go, where we can reach out, how we can make a change, because that is why I wanted to bring you on here, because I, I needed to hear it from your mouth, because I know that is your area. So let us know, everybody know the platforms and where they can reach out to you, um, and we will leave the different organizations and funding underneath. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the floor is yours. Um, so first and foremost, there's the ACPL, uh, the Afro-Canadian Political Literacy Foundation. You're not going to find anything online yet. Okay. But the voice of the ACPL is the drip. You will find that in on any pod, uh, pod, uh, podcast platform. Yes. Um, uh, we are on social media, so you can access us there as well. And of course, ACPL will, will be online soon, so okay. you'll be able to see that. Um, in terms of other organizations, take a look at SETSI. Okay. Take a look at um, Acres, so Afro-Canadian uh, Real Estate Association. Uh, take a look at ACBA, the Afro-Canadian Business Association. Mm -hmm. Take a look at the um, the Black Chamber of Commerce. Okay. There's another group. So these are just some examples of organizations that people can support that are supporting them. Okay. And does the drip have Instagram? Do you have your Instagram? So we can leave that there. We're going to leave all those organizations, like I said, below. But where can they find you? Um, what's your Instagram handle? So we can leave that there as well. The drip T.O. The drip T.O. Yep. And in that note, thank you, Kurt, for coming, dropping your gems. Thank you, loungers, for tuning in. I really hope you got as much information as I did. This was an amazing episode. And, you know, it starts with us, guys. All right. See you next episode.